The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. And filling in for the voice, Dick Gabriel with you. Glad to be along on this gorgeous Monday morning. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, which for our uses this morning is my garage here in Lexington. Because, well, I'm non-essential, but we're happy to be with you as well. Mr. Leach with a few uh, well-deserved days off as he is enjoying the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. And they have been crazy uh, probably the craziest, based on the number of upsets, the craziest they've ever had. So we'll talk about that and other things this morning on the Leach Report. But first, let's get to the Wildcat news of the day. Uh, and you can find these stories on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Uh, and, of course, you've got to start off with NCAA Tournament Action. The U.K. women got another terrific all-around performance from Ryan Howard, who recently was named first-team All-American again. How about this in a stat line in the 71-63 win over number 13, Idaho State? Ryan Howard, 14 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 steals. That's just an All-American performance right there. Chastity Patterson had 14 and 3 rebounds. And just as important, really, uh, Blair Green off the bench with 10 points. She had been kind of struggling off the bench of late, but the Wildcats got an all-around performance from everybody. In fact, the bench accounted for 29 points compared to just 8 for Idaho State, and even better for Kyra Elsie's team, UK winning the Battle of the Boards 45-33, to so they're poor shooting, 38%, uh, offset by that. But of late, uh, as I said, uh, the bench uh, had not been helping quite as much, so uh, good news. And now uh, Kentucky next plays Iowa, and that's tomorrow, but the time of that game has not yet been announced. UK's volleyball team has taken one big step toward another SEC championship with a win over Florida. Wildcats split down in Gainesville. They've got two home matches back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday with Alabama. And statistically, right now, if they win just one of those matches, you would think they'll clinch at least a share of the uh, SEC title. But there was a postponed match or a series of matches with South Carolina. And what the league is going to do is take a look at the action after the next couple of uh, matches. And if the South Carolina match for Kentucky would figure into the race, then they'll play. So in other words, Florida would still have a shot, let's say if the Wildcats lost one or both of the matches with South, the rescheduled matches with South Carolina. Not likely South Carolina has been struggling, and Kentucky is just terrific this year in volleyball. Maybe Craig Skinner's best team. But it was huge to, to get a split with Florida over the weekend, so that was big. Baseball Wildcats won their series with Missouri, uh, two games to one, of course, but missed out on the sweep by three innings. They were up 3 nothing going into the seventh yesterday at Kentucky Proud Park but gave up a single run in the seventh and then a pinch-hit three-run homer in the eighth 
by Missouri. Tigers tacked on a run in the ninth, and the Wildcats lost it 5-3. to three. Still, good start for Nick Mingione's team. They play Butler on Tuesday, and then they hit the road for the first time. They go to Auburn this uh, coming weekend. The Wildcats were supposed to start with North Carolina, but COVID protocols called that one off. So uh, it could be a big week again for the baseball cats. And the U.K. women's swimming and diving team, the women's team, finished in 11th place in the NCAAs. That is the best performance in school history, and they scored the most points in school history. They got a silver medal in the 800 freestyle relay, 10th in the 200 medley, and they collected 23 All-America honors, 8 first team, 15 honorable mention, a school record for the squad that already has won the SEC championship. Coming up today on the Tom Leach Show on the Leach Report, Ben Roberts of the Herald-Leader here in Lexington to talk Kentucky basketball recruiting and the Kentucky Derby upcoming. Derek Terry of the Catspaws and Christy Thomas of the UK Network. That's all coming up. Stay with us right here on the Leach Report. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. And a reminder, the Leach Report comes to you. Uh, the guests actually come to you on the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline. And we will be joining Ben Roberts here in just a moment. But I hope you've had a chance to watch some of these games over the weekend. I know the Wildcats aren't playing, but man... Though the upsets have just been terrific, including Abilene Christian, which, of course, played Kentucky a couple of years ago in the tournament. And Abilene upsets Texas. Of all teams that Abilene Christian gets to play, it's the Longhorns. And having lived and worked down in Dallas uh, for a couple of years with the old Southwest Conference Network, I can tell you the branding for both Texas and Texas A&M, as you might expect in that state, is enormous kids grow up wanting to play for either one of them and so uh for little old abilene christian to jump up and win that game phenomenal baylor survived texas tech did not uh syracuse is hot man it's a lot of fun let's bring in ben roberts from there later in kentucky.com to talk about this and of course the wildcats and their recruiting efforts but uh ben i know that you guys it's, it's all hands on deck when kentucky's in the tournament have you had a chance to to enjoy it a little bit more now with the Wildcats on the sideline? Um, actually, I haven't watched quite as much of it. Uh, just, you know, doing some family family stuff over the weekend oh, and catching games here and there where I can. But it, it's certainly been an odd an odd, uh, odd tournament uh, for me. You know, like you said, when Kentucky's playing, we're there and covering them. And when you're doing that, you don't really have a chance to see the other games except for maybe at night or whenever Kentucky's not playing. Um, yeah. So... Uh, you know, maybe maybe all things considered, I've seen about the same, but it, it, it seems like I haven't been watching a ton of it. <laughs> well, that's all right, though, if you, if you have a chance to chill a little bit. But, you know, this kind of transitions into U.K. And, and the recruiting and all in this past season. But watching these games and watching these teams execute down the stretch, and some of these games have just been terrific, uh, it, it just reminded me of Kentucky's struggles, especially on offense. Uh, you know, there, there were very few games this year for the Wildcats where you said, man, that was a great game. Because you know, it seemed like whenever they scored, it was a minor miracle, you know. But watching these teams uh, on the courts, 
do the getting the job done during the NCAA tournament kind of reminds you that it's great to have veteran players, you know, and, and we've, we've had that debate about Calipari's teams when a sophomore is a grizzled veteran, but, uh, he's looking at another rebuild coming up this year, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, I, I do think it sounds like they're going to get some more continuity and some more guys back, um, than what they have in previous seasons. And I think that's the key, like you said. I mean, even watching like an Oral Roberts last night, yeah. you know, those guys were just, you know, scoring. It seemed like every or most possession down the stretch and making making big shots. And it, you kind of got the feeling that, you know, you're watching this 15 seed, but at the same time when those shots were going up, you had a feeling like they were going in. And yeah. You, you never really thought that, except for maybe when Davion was hot a, a couple <laughs> times with Kentucky this season, that you just never got that feeling. And, and you know, uh, people knew what they were doing. The, the Loyola game, you know, had some veterans, some holdovers from the the Final Four team um, down the stretch. They just made some some gritty, some nice plays that just they were aware of where they were and what they were supposed to do. And and that was something that, that was obviously lacking for Kentucky uh, the whole season. And, you know, watching West Virginia, which of course lost, but made a heck of a game out of it. Uh, I kept wondering about the kid who transferred to Kentucky, what might have happened had West Virginia had him. And I don't know if this has been out there somewhere, Ben. I I missed it. But why did he leave West Virginia, especially in the middle of the year? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes there. Um, Even going back to that recruitment, uh, you know, he came over. Uh, from Africa at a, at a pretty young age and West Virginia got in there pretty immediately as, as the team to beat, very, you know, very quickly as the team to beat when he was still really, really young. Yeah, I kind of got the sense that once Kentucky got in there a little later and once it was time to come to a decision that, that he actually kind of wanted to come here, but, but maybe felt like he was so, um, you know, West Virginia was just already so far in there that, that that's you know I don't know if there was more of a comfort level or what what happened there, but um, you know, obviously he ended up going there, had a great freshman season, uh, you know, by all standards, and then came out a sophomore season. I know you know Bob Huggins said um, even while he was still there that they didn't quite like uh, some of the conditioning aspects and maybe some of the stuff he was doing basketball wise when he was away from coaches and that wasn't, I didn't take that as a knock on him on Oscar. Um, you know, I took that as a, you know, this is a kid who's still learning the game. Yeah. Uh, and he needed to be around coaches all spring, all summer, early fall. He was one of those kids who just needed, uh, you know, to be around coaches and, and just get more of that basketball learning and more of that attention. And with COVID just, just couldn't do it. And yeah. was kind of out there almost on his own. And, and that was, Obviously, a bad start to a sophomore year, and I think things kind of just went downhill from there. Is there any update or any new information about the young man from uh, Louisville slash uh, Oldham County? Uh, the the kid, kind of Justin Powell, the kid from Auburn. Yeah, you know he. Um, I think Kentucky's still in a good spot there, but you know he and his dad both said, uh, you know, pretty early on, his dad told me they were gonna going to kind of take a step back, wait, kind of look at the in, entire uh, landscape of things. And the entire landscape is this thing that basically he can go anywhere he wants. Yeah. So and, and could probably and could probably make that decision anytime he wants. So, you know, he he's kind of holding all the cards there. I know he's having um, you know, conversations, Zoom calls with 
a lot of these coaches, a lot of these uh, bigger schools. Uh, I think Tennessee's already been in there. Um, you know, he's, he's getting Virginia's a name I keep hearing. Uh, Syracuse, yep. which is who his parents, both of his parents are from New York State. Uh, they're in there now. Um, obviously, Kentucky. So I, I think it's one that you know we might need two or three more weeks to kind of kind of see where that's at. Uh, but yeah, it, it's got to be. You know, they're going to have to beat everybody uh, to, to land him. And the announcements by the kids who have said that they are going to put their names into the draft. To me, Ben, the, the most surprising element of that has been the fact that Jackson says he's leaving the door open. Did that surprise you? It did a little. And, uh, you know, kind of listening to some stuff behind the scenes, it sounds like that's, you know, I, I feel like we, we hear that quite a bit, that like, oh, you know, I'm going to enter in and hear what they have to say. But at the same time, we, we kind of know what they're doing. Uh, and that's leaving. <laughs> and in this yeah. instance, it sounds like uh, he and his family are legitimately, um, you know, they they want to be a high, high NBA pick, a lottery pick, a top ten pick, whenever they decide to go out of college. And if they get the feedback that, you know, maybe he's late first round or, um, you know, that, that last third of the first round, it sounds like they might actually come back to school, which would be, you know, I think, and on one level, great for Kentucky. On the other level, they, they've got uh, basically an Isaiah Jackson clone coming in and, and Damian Collins for next season. They've got Oscar, um, Lance Ware. That, you know, they've got a lot of front court guys. So, you know, that's a great problem. That would be a – it's not even a problem. That would be a great situation for Calipari to have. But it, it would be a, a lot of uh, really talented front court players, we think, for, for them to, to try to figure out how to get that playing time distributed. And as we know – Calipari loves him some front court players. We'll talk about <laughs> yes, that when we come back. We're talking with Ben Roberts, Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach. Stay with us here on the Leach Report. Get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Gabriel in for Tom Leach here on the Leach Report. Of course, served up by Wild Eggs. We're chatting with Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader. I like to call him the Renaissance Man because he really covers everything, especially uh, horse racing, which we'll get to in just a moment. But, uh, Ben, when we're talking about Kentucky and looking ahead to the future, a lot of people are saying, and we kind of joked about this going into the break, that John Calipari needs to, and everybody, you know, everybody has an opinion, but needs to kind of change his thinking on inside-out basketball because it looks like Alabama, much like Golden State, has kind of rewritten the way basketball is being played right now. Do you think that's just a fad, or do you think uh, uh, that that we'll see more of that in college basketball as next season unfolds? Yeah, I don't think it's a fad at all. And I think, you, you know, obviously before Alabama, Villanova um, had a lot of success doing some similar stuff. As did a lot of other teams, and you know, just the analytics standpoint, the you know, the, the common sense standpoint. When you when you sit there and look at the numbers and and where good shots come from and where points come from, uh, yeah, you know, I, he's the Hall of Fame coach, but it, it does seem like something needs to change away from. Uh, and this is dumbing it down, but it's the way he says it all the time. The the run and, and take a shot and hope it goes in or we get the offensive rebound because right. we're longer than everybody. You know, that, that style of basketball, um, 
first of all, it's not very fun to watch, and, and two, it, it, it isn't very efficient either. Uh, I, I think a lot of Kentucky fans would love to see an, an Alabama or a Villanova style, um, you know, especially offensively. And, you know, Kentucky's in a situation where they can go out and get, um, you know, really whatever type of player they want to get. So whatever kind of style John Calipari wants to play, he can find the players to play it. Uh, it's just kind of going to be on him to, to build a roster a certain way and and see what he wants to do there. And, uh, you know, I, we'll see what he wants to do there, I think, starting this offseason to, to see. You know, it's a little late for recruits, obviously, but once you start, you know, we should get a feel for who he's really targeting in that 22 class. You could always bring in a transfer or two to maybe switch up your style. Oh, yeah. So I'm really interested to see maybe six months from now what the landscape looks like and if he's really open to uh, – any changes like that and as you and i were talking about the ncaa tournament kind of underscoring kentucky's offensive woes no matter what they do no matter what style just find kids who can make shots is you know and i was so pleased by the mid-range jumpers i've seen going in this week you know and you don't want to live and die on them but man it's good to have them isn't it yeah i mean just just plain shooting skills i mean those type of guys can can usually shoot from anywhere on the court and you know obviously there have been exceptions there have been your your heroes and your bookers and your jamal murrays and guys like that uh the callus had going back to Deron lamb but it it's they seem to be kind of anomalies when it comes to kentucky basketball um and you know it seems like it seems like something basic that, you know, we see these guys out on the circle. We know when we're watching a Jalen Brunson, even though he's not ranked number five in the country, we know he's going to be a really, really good college basketball player. And that's kind of the example I always bring up is those guys are, are out there and he's an extreme example of it. Uh, but you know, you, you can find those guys and, and you can find a way to fit them into your offense. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see if, uh, if he does it. Before we start talking uh, horses, I would like to thank Lee K. Howard. He just texted me from WKYT that the U.K. women play Iowa 3.30 tomorrow ESPNU. So Kentucky, Iowa tomorrow, 3.30 p.m. ESPNU. Uh, The Kentucky Derby picture is always changing, especially uh, in these last couple of weeks and the next couple. But uh, life is good will not run in the Santa Anita Derby, so that kind of it would have been a heavy favorite, Ben. That kind of throws the the West Coast wide open, doesn't it? Because a lot of us love to see who wins the Santa Anita before we decide on our Derby horse. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that was a killer. I was really hoping, um, you know, Life is Good, Essential Quality Consorter, and if you want to throw Greatest Honor in there too, kind of one out, so to speak, in their prep races because I think that would have. You know, had a lot of spirited debate, a lot, a lot of fun conversation uh, leading up to the Derby because all of those horses look like they could be really, really, you know, big stars um, as three-year-olds. Uh, and, and he obviously had the most. Uh, it seemed like just sheer talent, and was obviously putting up the biggest speed numbers. So yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, Bob Baffert has that really deep bench. It'll be interesting. You know, he likes to keep them separated. It'll be interesting in that now to see what he does and who he sends where um, and who else, you know, might emerge out of that Santa Anita picture. There's already a uh, a big turf horse out there that, that, that was flirting with the Derby. You know, there's it just kind of opens it up out on the West Coast for, for a new name to emerge. And 
you know, while that's going on, you, you got Essential Quality over here who, yep. who I believe is going to be running in the bluegrass, which will give the bluegrass some, you know, oh, yeah. a, uh, a lot of uh, kind of pizzazz going into the, yeah. the derby. Yeah. Ben Roberts, as always, thank you so much, and we'll see you down. I hope to see you in person sometime soon. But, <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> enjoy the rest of the tournament. Thanks, Ben. Yep, thanks a lot. Ben Roberts of the Kentucky of uh, <laughs> Kentucky.com and the Herald Leader, one name to remember. He talked about speed numbers, dream shape, five furlongs and 58 and change. Keep an eye on that one. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, Dick Averill in for Tom Leach, and we welcome next to the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline, Mr. Derek Terry of the Cat's Paws. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing well, Dick. It's good to hear from you. Uh, I saw you actually in person. I was very pleased to see you at a Kentucky baseball game. But uh, before we talk baseball, uh, what do you make of this NCAA tournament? I know that uh, uh, as, as we were talking to Ben Roberts, you would be really busy if the Wildcats were involved. But are you getting to watch more games and enjoy it maybe a little bit more? Yeah, I've gotten to watch a little bit. Um, I was a little bit out of pocket this weekend, but the games I did watch, I mean, it's just crazy to – you know, it's the Oral Roberts last night, a 15 in the Sweet 16. You've you got, what, Oregon State, a 12 seed that's advanced, and maybe even a few others that are, uh, you know, seeded pretty low. I guess you got to wonder a little bit if if this had been a normal season, perhaps these teams had, you know, played a full schedule. Maybe, you know, the seeding would have been a little bit different for some of these teams because the way Oral Roberts has played, I mean, they've got two guys that I feel like can maybe play anywhere, and uh, O'Banner and uh, – Admus or something, whatever yep. you say his name, Max. But uh, you know he's leading the country in scoring. So uh, it's been fun though, um, and you see obviously Loyola Chicago doing what they're doing again. I got to imagine Porter Moser should uh, should probably have his pick of his of his next job whenever that comes. <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, just the fact that these teams, everybody had to deal with COVID, um, and I was thinking the exact same thing last night while I was watching Oral Roberts. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if it had been a normal season, if the seedings might have been different. So often it comes down to brand name. But, you mm-hmm. know, maybe Syracuse is not an 11, although as a lot of people pointed out on social media, when Syracuse is highly seeded, they underachieve. And when they're uh, a low seed or, you know, the bigger number, they, they overachieve. I don't know. But uh, I think the one thing we've seen, and Ben and I were talking about this as well, boy, it sure helps to have veteran players, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, uh, you know, especially in a year like this, um, you know, you're seeing that for sure. I mean, it's, it's been a pretty, pretty fun tournament. I mean, I, I think I like the, I mean, obviously it won't be this case in a lot of years because it's good for, for different cities to, to be able to host and, and bring in that revenue and everything. Yeah. But having everything all in one location, I think, has been pretty cool. And, you know, when you talk about the factors, I remember talking about this a little bit with the, with the bubble and the NBA, like, there is a little bit of a crowd at these stadiums, but not much. So maybe you're just getting more kind of pure basketball. But if you think about it, I mean, a lot of these venues, if you've got the lower seed ready to pull an upset, most of the crowd gets behind them anyway. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. that that's really uh, going against anybody. But no, you're right, it is. And, I mean, for Kentucky's sake, if you're thinking about next year, it seems like over the weekend they've, they've lost some guys. But 
Also, I guess what they've had three guys now who are reportedly planning to come back. But um, you know, there's a difference in having senior veterans and sophomore veterans. And yeah. uh, UK, it seems like sophomore veterans is about as good as it gets most years. Were you surprised that Isaiah Jackson left the door open the way he did? A little bit. I mean, I, I do. I did kind of get a chuckle that Terrence Clark and BJ Boston, the two guys who I don't think either one are projected first round right now, are uh, shutting the door on an opportunity to come back. Whereas Isaiah, you know, if you go by. I think ESPN had him like top ten now, <laughs> so well within that lottery range. But it, it made me wonder, you know, it was expected with BJ and Terrence that those two guys were going to go to the NBA after one year, regardless. Whereas, you know, that wasn't really the talk with Isaiah Jackson. Uh, I'm not going to say he wasn't thought to be from some people as a possible one and done, but you know, he wasn't quite highly as rated as, as those guys. I do think ultimately he will stay in the draft. But um, there seemed to be some thought that you know if he wasn't guaranteed as a lottery pick, he would consider coming back. But you know, over Terrence Clark, I didn't give a whole lot of thought to ever coming back, just based on what I'd heard. But BJ, just given Cal's comments, I think after the uh, South Carolina game, there towards the end of the year, I kind of thought there might be a chance. Whereas with Isaiah, I mean, I don't know. I thought Cal's comments were pretty interesting on that one with the press release saying he was anxious to see what would happen. Yeah, with that um, I don't really know where that stands. Again, I had to give a much thought to Isaiah being on next year's team, but if he were to come back, I mean, goodness, that that front court would have just about everything you needed, uh, especially from a defensive standpoint with uh, him and then Damian Collins. The shot blocking ability with those two guys would be, uh, I would say, a pretty fearsome uh, tandem for opposing teams. Well, and then you've got the kid transferring in from West Virginia. You've got Lance Ware if he comes back. I mean, and doesn't transfer. So, uh, like you said, a good problem to have. Uh, but I, I guess uh, it's all up to the NBA teams. But, yeah, top ten, you know, he's gone, and you can't really blame him. Just a couple minutes left with Derek Terry, but I saw you at a Kentucky baseball game, and they win their series, missed the sweep, but open with a series win over Missouri, which has been a team kind of struggling this year. But still, they protect their home turf before they hit the road after a, a midweek game. You've gotten to see a little bit of the baseball Wildcats. What do you think? Well, to me, the biggest takeaway I've had this year watching them um, versus a little bit of last year and then 2019 is I think the pitching, uh, both starting pitching and the bullpen, it's much deeper. I think they have some some much more talented arms that I think will keep them in a lot of games. Uh, I don't think they have, you know, by any means the best pitching staff in the SEC, but I think they have a competitive pitching mm-hmm. staff and one that uh, I don't see being, you know, weakness on this team. Um, with the lineup, you know, Austin Schultz, you know, he's a guy who's pretty much impressed his whole career. John Rhodes, uh, didn't really see too many of his numbers. I would say he's having a sophomore slump because that kid's still a, a very talented player. Yeah. Um, but, you he know, he's struggling, hitting though. three hole. Yeah, you know, he's going to get pitched different this year. There's, there's more of a book on him this year. Mm-hmm. But you still, overall, you like his talent. But I think just getting consistency throughout that lineup is going to be, going to be the challenge. I know TJ Collette's, you know, he's having a pretty good year. I think he's one of the, active leaders in home runs in all of college baseball for his yep. career. And, uh, well, he had two home runs, right, against Murray the other night. Yes. So, I mean, he uh, he's a good player. Uh, but just getting consistency throughout that order, it seems like Mingione has kind of settled, uh, for now anyway, on a lineup. So maybe those guys being comfortable, knowing where they're going to be every day will help. Uh, but with that, I think the way he's, you know, he's had to try to get his best nine guy or eight guys, I guess, right. in the field or in, in the lineup. But, 
defensively, maybe you're playing some guys out of position that mm-hmm. that maybe will come back to bite them a little bit later. But I totally understand what he's trying to do. I mean, when Trey Harmon's in the way he is, oh, yeah. you got to try to get him in the lineup somewhere. Uh, and that might mean you know your defense is a little bit weaker overall. But if you can score some more runs, that would be good. I, I thought they really needed that sweep. It sounded like they had a tough loss yesterday, at yeah. OD, which I also know Saturday they came back. Um but Missouri, I think, will finish as one of the worst teams in the SEC. But a big opportunity this weekend. Auburn got swept by a pretty good Ole Miss team. They'll be on the road. That's a big series. If they go down there and win that one, and you're sitting at, you know, four and two at worst after this weekend, that's yep. a pretty good spot to be in. Because it, it's pretty tough once April gets here. There's some good teams that they'll be playing. Anytime you win a series, if you can, on the road in the SEC, it's massive, as you know, because the mm-hmm. standings change and sometimes dramatically every weekend. But um, it, it's early, you know. But yeah, you're right. And the two losses they had this past week, the bullpen collapsed. And I think they're still trying to figure out who they can count on. But interestingly, it's the younger guys who have been better than the veteran relievers. So they're still shaking that out. But whatever happens, Derek Terry will cover it for the Cat's Paws. Uh, so follow him as well online. Give everybody your Twitter handle again. Yeah, Twitter, it's at Derek S. Terry. There you have it. Thanks, brother. See you down the road. All right, thank you. I'll see you later. Have a good one. And when we come back, we'll talk to Christy Thomas of the U.K. Network about the U.K. women and about what's going on with the NCAAs. More to come on the Leach Report. Well, we are kicking around here with some technical problems. But we are back up and uh, joined now by Christy Thomas on the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline. How are you, young lady? Hey, good. I was wondering. I thought, well, maybe you all just wanted me to rock it out this morning. Just well, jamming and dancing too, a little bit. Uh, we were <laughs> Shannon and I were just talking about technical di- difficulties we've had all week, and boom, there it happens again. So uh, <laughs> we, we have so much to talk about in so little time. But let me uh, let me ask you, first of all, about yesterday's win by the U.K. women it was a little too interesting at the end, which was maddening, but I talked at the top of the show about what has become a typical Ryan Howard line. She ought to be player of the year, in my opinion. Too many people look just at points, but if they look at everything, how do you go against her? Yeah, it's a little bit tough. I think that that's one of those situations where it's it's kind of like a quarterback on a football team where everybody pays attention to um, that quarterback stat line and um, you know, how they do and how many yards they have. It, points are the same yeah. thing in basketball. And so everybody's paying attention to those points and, and, you know, what that looks like. But you're right. I mean, she does so many things so well, and um, especially rebounding. You know, I said when you look at, at rebounding and, and you see her leading the team, uh, game in and game out, uh, it happens a lot that you see her um, – leading the team in rebounding, um, you know, leading the team in, in assists when she's not the point guard, um, leading the team in steals when she's not the defense, you know, on this defensive player of the year watch list. Um, it is pretty impressive what she's done. Yeah, and she got help off the bench. Chastity Patterson, as always, was there. But uh, Blair Green, who had kind of gone cold or kind of gone, I don't know, she was just uh, MIA for a while there, but she came up big yesterday. Well, Blair Green's, uh, minutes had really been limited. She'd gone from being a starter to coming off the bench and really playing very few minutes. And I think some of that, you know, was really trying to figure out how are these um, 
transfer is going to fit in, you know, two of which really weren't expected at the first of the year to even be eligible. So the fact that they ended up all of them being eligible and being able to play really kind of changed things for Blair. And um, it's one of those things that those transfers are really great athletes. So when you look at them on the defensive end, they really bring a lot to the table. And I think that's where Blair kind of got um, – started to lose minutes a little bit was was on the defensive end and, and what she wasn't able to bring to the table but when you consider what yeah. she's able to do and give you a spark offensively um you're glad to see the kentucky girl doing well so the wildcats play iowa tomorrow at three thirty on espnu so that would be huge if they can get past the hawkeyes but i need to shift you over to the big picture now in the tournament, I don't know if you saw Sally Jenkins' column. It was a terrific column over the weekend in the Washington Post. As uh, she, she pointed out, it's not just the weight room. And she listed chapter and verse uh, mm-hmm. through the years how, uh, especially women's basketball, women's sports, just really getting the short end from, and when I say the NCAA, that's membership. But you've also got administrators within the NCAA who think, Give them yoga mats and some and some dumbbells, and they'll be fine. That's lunacy. But the the financial breakdown, Christy, is is criminal. That the women get virtually nothing compared to what the men get. Well, and you know, and I've paid attention to a lot of this and the comments on social media and what people will have to say about that. You know, and they'll say, well, it's a, it's not a a huge revenue generating sport for these schools and it's, you know, for the NCAA. And so, um, you know, that, that, that you have to be that in order to be able to get things. And that's just not the case. I mean, that is really nope. such, such an old school way of thinking. And I think that's part of the problem is that it is, um, it is very dated thinking and it is very, um, it's concerning because it, it really isn't about that. Um, it is about, um, you know, the NCAA has the money to be able to provide these things for all the sports equally. And the fact that they're not really says that, you know, no, maybe no one's stood up and pounded on their chest quite like they have this year, which I think, um, kudos to the player at Oregon who really put all this out on Twitter and really kind of got this started with a video, um, you know, showing the disparity in the weight room and, and really, forcing people to take notice and say, wait a minute, what are we doing here? I'd actually heard um, one team in particular, not even on social media, just through um, some people that I know in women's basketball talking about the food and how atrocious the food was and that that situation had to be rectified to the point that a coach was willing to pay out of his own pocket for his team to eat um, yes. decent food because that wasn't, that was a huge problem. So, um, yeah, you're going to be in a situation like this where you're in this bubble. You, you have to be able to take care of your players and it's not just in this environment. You're exactly right. It, it's just in ge- in general, it's an old school way of thinking that has to stop. Yeah. And, and Jenkins had figures. She had numbers that talked about how much the, the women's final four, the women's tournament pulls in. I mean, you know, they, they're in smaller uh, venues until the Final Four, then they're in huge venues, and they fill them. They sell they tickets. Do. The, 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 the cities are overrun with fans, just like the men's tournament. So, yeah, like I said, I commend you to try to find that online and check it out. Only it'll make you madder than you are now, but it's, it's great <laughs> information. Just a couple of minutes of it, Christy, who, of course, is uh, uh, part of the BBN Tonight Show and part of our U.K. Football Network coverage. And... Uh, a lot of people coming and going right now, Christy, especially in the, the receiver spot. That's going to be for the, what, eighth year in a row, a real question mark of a position group, isn't it? 
Well, it is, and I think you know you, you bring up a great point that it's been that many years in a row that 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 one position has really been such a thorn in the side of this program, and something that you know Mark Stoops and his staff really have to get figured out. I mean, you know, there's been um, a coaching carousel that's happened there, and um, you know, I think I, I my thought was. You've got a lot of change this year, no question about that. You're going to have a, a new offense, a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterbacks coach, a new quarterback. Um, so, you know, there's obviously been some conversations that have been happening behind closed doors leading up to these guys deciding that they want to transfer. We, of course, don't know what those conversations are. Um, but I think that ventures to, that, that, that certainly points to um, the fact that, that these kids may not be cutting it and may not be um, exactly what this staff is looking for. So um, under those circumstances, you know, I think to have a guy like Wandale Robinson come in, who everybody says yeah. is just, uh, you know, is going to be <laughs> such an addition to this program, um, along with, you know, again, figuring out a coach, um, you know, Javon Bonite only there a year so far. So, um, you know, a lot to figure out in that regard, especially when you're going to be in a pro style quarterback where you're going to throw to these guys. You've got to have guys yeah. that can catch. So, um, you know, to be able to have Isaiah Epps and Josh Ali back there with some experience and in a different offense, I think is exciting. Um, and I think too could, it could attract some big time talent. Oh, I agree. And got to get Epps healthy. I mean, I barely yeah. remember him when he was running around and caught a no. touchdown pass against Louisville. Got to get him healthy. That'll be big. But, uh, yeah, Wondell yep. Robinson, he's going to be an infusion of excitement. Christy, thank you so much. Appreciate you hanging in there with us. Hope to see you soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Have a good one. That is Christy Thomas of the UK Network, and we're back in just a few here on the Leach Report. Welcome back on this day in UK history, brought to you by the new Ravon app for interactive game watching experience. Kentucky upset unbeaten Indiana in 1975 to go to the Final Four. I was actually there, and in 1958, the Cats beat Seattle for their fourth national title. That's it for the Leach Report. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time 